I'm the mom who knows nada. My name is Brianna, and this is the Mama Knows Nada podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming welcoming a family member as well as a friend. This is my cousin, Courtney, based up there in Pennsylvania. <laughs> she she has a couple of kids, uh, well, three, and she's going to talk to us all about her mothering journey and how she came back to one of her true passions, painting, finally, after a lot of years. So for you, Court, you've been an artist pretty much your whole life, uh, ever since I can remember. Did you always want to be a mom? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, that was the only thing I ever knew, uh, aside from anything else, was that that's what I wanted to be was a mom. I had no idea what else I was going to do. I was never one that really wanted to go into the professional world or anything like that. So I always knew I had momming to fall back on. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a full-time job, especially with three tykes running around. So it's still summer as we're recording this. What is a typical day like for you? Um, well, this year is different. Uh, typically we would get up early, do all of our outings in the morning before it got too hot Mm -hmm. and then spend the rest of the day splashing around outside or watching movies. But this year the kids were old enough to do camps. So it's been a different schedule every week, uh, which I guess is good in a way because it keeps us on our toes, but gets a little hectic, you know, and and the youngest one, she can't do anything. She's not old enough for any camps. So she's bored at tears without her brothers. So what's what's it like to have the two older boys? And then all of a sudden this little girl pops out. How, what, how is that like in this momming process? Oh, I was ecstatic. I was fully ready for it. Although I have to say for as girly as I am, I was very overwhelmed by the amount of pink on everything. It gave me a little bit of anxiety. I was like, we need to, you know, introduce some other colors here to the girl world. But, um, I mean, she's, she doesn't miss a beat. She keeps up with the boys. She's totally sassy and spunky. So she puts them in their place. She's been great. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) That's in the DNA. I think. How is it? How is each childlike difference? So you have your oldest and then the middle and the youngest. So what was it like for you with each addition? How did you like navigate that? Well, I think for most people, they say the first one is generally pretty easygoing. And even if they're tough as babies, you know, they just, they don't get into a whole lot of trouble and this and that. And I, we started the total opposite. Like James came in and gave us a whirlwind and he was the bull in the china shop from day one. So we figured anything after that we'd be able to handle. And it's kind of just followed suit from there. And my middle son is actually a little more easygoing. And then finally, Sophie is, I don't know, she goes back and forth between the two. So (laughs) we get a little mix of everything. I think that's good, right? Definitely keeps you on your toes. That's for sure. You are an only child. How does that play into your parenting? And did you want to make sure your kids had siblings because you were an only child or was it just whatever you get, you get, you don't care? I did always want a big family. Um, I always wanted like five to seven kids. I mean, I wanted a lot. And I think that's because I had nobody. 
Now, I grew up with all of my cousins. You know, our family was very entangled and, you know, we were, yes, we were mostly together all summer long, you know? So I lived for those moments and holidays and stuff like that because I grew up with all that. So I wanted that for my own children. And, um, it was, yeah, it was the bigger, the better for me because although chaotic, fun and memories and you know I I just feel like that's an important part of life is is to experience whatever memories and hopefully they're they're good ones (laughs) oh yeah hopefully they're good ones (laughs) I mean I remember those Christmases they were always the best like everybody together you never knew who was going to be on one and who was going to be handing out presents and we're a big Catholic family our moms are sisters and they have four brothers and so six, right? Lost track the Madunios. Uh, so that Italian Catholic, well, Irish Italian Catholic family yeah. was a lot at points in time. And then time. when you had the extended family come in, then it was just, <laughs> just you know, too bad to be, I wasn't old enough to have a drink then and might have made it more palatable. Jeez. <laughs> oh, anyway, they're big and they're intimidating and it's funny. The first time Dom met, um, my husband met Uncle Duke, he threatened him. <laughs> of course. I mean, there wouldn't be an introduction to Duke without a threat, so. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Part for the course. Here we go. Thanks, family. That's why I live far away. (laughs) There you go. So a little bit in more into that. How has your childhood influenced your mothering style? Um, well, I think, um, for both my husband and myself, it was uh, a lot of lessons learned ways that we didn't want to do things Mm -hmm. more than how we did want to do things. And I think, um, you know, in the first, unfortunately for my oldest, it it still took some getting used to and figuring that out along the way. And I'd say it wasn't until about two years ago that we finally realized, okay, don't just focus on what you don't want to be because then you're not figuring out what you do Mm. want to be. Like you need to put the, the focus on those positives instead of the negatives. So for us, um, it was a lot of trial and error, as most parenting is. Um, but I feel like we're finally in good footing now where we have the right perspective. We know what our goals are. We still know what we don't want, but we now know how to put that spin on it to propel us into the right direction. So, you know, it's um, it's a lot more gentle. And mm. I constantly still have that little piece in the back of my mind that says, oh, God, if my parents saw what our family dynamic looks like, they'd be so judgmental Mm. because it's a lot more allowing than I think we grew up like, you know, so Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the the um, the physical punishment is not something that we follow suit with, uh, which was a big one. Mm -hmm. And my, I know when my James, my oldest was younger, that was always the first question. Well, did you smack him? No, I'm not going to do that. You know? So, um, I've had to learn a lot. We, We both have because my husband came from a very 
similar situation and neither one of us really knew what it looked like to be um, an accepting, loving parent without the judgment mm -hmm. behind it. And, and that's really what a lot of that parenting is. And now I, I have been through so much over the past two, two years for myself, what I have learned about myself mm. and um, discovered it's been a heck of a healing journey. But because of that, I now can look at my kids and say, okay, this is what I would have wanted as a child. And that's what I want to allow for them because it makes for a much healthier adult. So... <laughs> yeah, healthy and well-adjusted adult. I, yes. I like how you say that. It's um, allowing for the mistakes and allowing for giving an openness and sense of vulnerability, like your kids should be able to trust you. And right. I mean, speaking from my experience, which is probably dynamically similar to yours, but I had siblings. Um, as the youngest, I probably got the least amount of the physical burden, but I watched a lot of that brutality. And no, I didn't speak to my mom for about 10 years until we finally hashed it all out. And it was therapeutic, but um, also realizing that her mistakes aren't my mistakes and mm -hmm. her inabilities are not my inabilities. And the ruling with the iron fist is such an archaic way of looking at things. And in a way, I think it was a product of environment as well as the time. Mm -hmm. That's all they knew. That's what they were taught. That's what their education was. That was, that's what their home life was. Like you did not question authority, but sometimes parents, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we don't know what yeah. we're doing. And I, I've found a lot of self grace. I don't know if this might be similar for you too. And a lot of self vulnerability and saying to Declan, mommy doesn't know. I don't have the answer. I don't know what mm -hmm. to do. I don't know how to help you. Um, in, in, in physical, mental, emotional ways. And I like how the first question from your husband was, Oh, did you hit him? I think I've smacked Declan on his butt once and hit his hand once. And both times I went to my husband, I said, I, I, I put my hand on him. I'm really sorry. Uh, I, I just, I, I lost it. And, and he goes, okay, all right, well, let's do better next time. You know, and they're even having a partner who knows the fear that I have. Cause I didn't want to be a mom. I didn't want to be like my mom. I didn't want to continue that cycle. Right. I mm -hmm. didn't know if it was something that's embedded in our DNA or in our genetics makeup. And I was like, I don't want to continue this. If that's the mom I'm going to be, I don't, that doesn't feel right to me. Um, and so holding myself accountable, but also having a partner who understands that I'm so cognizant of it. I'm so fearful of being that person and giving me grace when I have made a mistake. And I think mm -hmm. I, I wish that our parents were, were a little bit more open to admitting they don't have all the answers and they don't know what to do. Cause I think that would have saved them a lot of headaches. Sure. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think you were saying that, you know, is this ingrained in our DNA and, and, and also being products of their environment. And, mm -hmm. and so much of what I have realized is that 
parenting like that is really just projection of themselves and their own insecurities and things like that. So that's why it's so important to do the work on ourselves and then be able to transfer that onto our children. Because like we said, you become well-adjusted adults. You can handle things. You, you know, you know it, it's just, there's so many important skills mm-hmm. that we need and the time to learn them is as children. And, you know, and like you're saying, to have grace for yourself and know when you've messed up and, and even talk to them when I do mess up, when I mm-hmm. do lash out, whatever it is, say, you know, let's take a break. And, you know, walk away and come back and say, I'm, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that's how this went. I didn't want it to go mm-hmm. like that. And then talk about it together because we lash out the same way that they lash out. And that's why it's okay to let them express themselves. Now, of course, I still require a bit of respect and, you know, like you can't just go balls to the wall here, but like... I'll give them space. I'll tell them to go to their room. Mm-hmm. I'll give them options on how to handle those feelings. But you know, I can't get a little, I can't get too crazy here. So there's still boundaries, and I think that's yeah. what people misunderstand about the concept of gentle parenting. But what I appreciate is that we're all humans, mm-hmm. right? Even if we start a little, like Declan's three and a half, right? Sophie's going to be four. You know, the other ones are in first and third grade. What the heck? Um, <laughs> And just giving them the, they're learning, they're learning how to deal with emotions. Like they're learning how to be people. They're learning how to navigate social situations. They're learning how to deal with boundaries. And if we don't give them a safe space to be who they are, will they ever be who they are? They'll be doing what we're doing and reparenting ourselves and going to therapy and doing all this work in their twenties and thirties that we could put them ahead of the curve. Right. Exactly. The other thing you said, I I wish I'd come back to it, but having that sense, Oh, here we go. The sense of humility as a parent to admit when you're wrong, isn't a bad thing. And discussing it with your kids about why yelling, screaming, something hitting isn't good or why people don't like it. Having that sense of recognition and being able to censor yourself and having the humility to tell your kid why you were wrong, I think helps them not be that way. You know, even when Mm -hmm. Declan walks around and he'll like, he'll go booty, 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 and just hit my butt. And you know, the first Mm -hmm. 1000 times it's fine, but Right. Ten hundred and one time. Okay, Jacqueline, I, I really don't like you hitting my butt. Can you please stop, you know, yeah. and letting know yeah. there still has to be a limitation on their behavior because mm-hmm. these are our rules. These are our boundaries. This is our house. This is what we do here and mirroring that and emulating that is really important. So I love that you said you go back and talk about it and tell them what you're thinking and feeling and you step away because we need to do that. Like I probably don't step away enough. Like my husband's really good at it. I'm like, I want to fix this now. (laughs) Right. You can't always fix it when you want to fix it. Well, and that's hard too, because my oldest, especially he'll have, he'll have times where I'll say, come on, let's talk about this. And he goes, no, I don't want to talk. And it might take him 24 hours before he's ready to talk about it. And it drives me nuts because then I feel like the point is lost and I'll probably forget about it. So I have to remind myself to stay on top of it because I don't want to just let it go. I want to make sure that we talk Mm -hmm. through it, but he has boundaries just like we do. So I try and give him that space, but oh, he's tough. And now 
with the boys, I mean, um, James has ADHD and Danny's autistic. So that just adds a whole nother layer of communication mm. that, I mean, I think that also forced us into this more gentle parenting a little more because you can't have those same standards and those same rules and, and things are, are different. They just are. So the, the standard rules that most people have and expect the expectations, it's, it's literally changing every single day based on what they're going through and what they're capable of handling. So that it was a totally different world for us. It's a di so. the, just a different scope of a capability. It just takes a mm -hmm. little longer based on some of the people I've talked to in their experiences. Normal is a sliding scale. I said that earlier today. Right. Normal is a sliding scale and people have different ways of getting to the end and some people it takes longer you know we're not all gonna mm -hmm. run as fast as you saying bolts you know <laughs> like right. we're just not we'll finish that hundred meter dash it's just <laughs> some of us might take 10 well. minutes <laughs> and, and that's okay and i think having that awareness is really important and when something isn't adding up like kudos to you and adam for going and figuring out hey my child internalizes information differently. Therefore I might have to present information differently. That's a big difference. Like we don't re realize sometimes that our word choices, our sentence structures might be confusing to tiny people. I mean, I confuse myself. So I'm assuming my son's <laughs> confused by me. Anyway. Um, when, so when you had James first, then Danny, and you were realizing you didn't want to continue this, this pattern, this cycle. What did you do to make those changes in your own parenting? Like, how did you a, identify what you didn't like? And then B, what did you do? Or what resources did you look at to change the way you were interacting with your kids? Well, at first, like I said before, it, it did, it really did take longer than I thought. I mean, at the time, we were doing the best we could. You know, we we were trying to approach things differently, but we didn't really know how to approach these things in a constructive way without being damaging at the same time. Mm. So it took years, and I really think that most of it came from my own journey that I just started figuring things out psychologically. Mm. And then from there, I just start, I started seeking out, you know, parenting groups and programs, um, because we were experiencing certain behaviors that seemed different than somebody their age. So it, it, it was a lot of, um, research and discovering because, not only were we changing our own cycles of parenting, but we were also dealing with, like I said, added factors mm. that made it even more confusing. So, um, parenting's confusing it, enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, like it really was, I feel like that the biggest turning point was me just understanding the psychology behind so many feelings and developments. And, you know, Danny was diagnosed first. So we had a whole list of expectations and, and milestones and developments and all of these things that were like, okay, it's like, you know, we have to check all these off as we meet them. But 
it, it's it was so much deeper than that mm. and it, it just unfortunately took time and experience for us to realize that um and the biggest thing for us was was the corporal punishment mm. you know so as long as we weren't doing that we felt like we were winning at least in the beginning and then we realized okay it's more than just that too <laughs> so it's it's been a journey and we're still on it so it's never ending right Re you know it's you're never not a parent i mean like my dad's, I mean, I still talk to my dad all the time. You know, my mom still comes down to be like, you're never not a parent. They still worry about you. They still call you. They, I mean, you're always going to be their kid. Just like those three are always going to be your children. And Declan's always going to be mine. You're never not going to worry, but to be, to change the pattern takes the work on yourself. And I mean, I've been in and out of therapy since I was eight years old and I did so much work when I moved to California over 10 years ago and just was seeing therapists and doing the stuff. And I remember one of my, my therapists said like, you have to reparent yourself. You have to be the mm -hmm. parent you didn't have. Right. I was like, Oh shit. Now I have a lot of animosity. <laughs> I'm not having a parent that I needed or, or wanted yeah. or felt secure with, you know? Um, not that they weren't affectionate and loving in the way they were capable of, um, but right. they had things that they needed to figure out too, both my mom and my dad, you know, even though my dad wasn't a physical, physically abusive to us, he was working out his own shit that took time. Uh, and as my mom was, again, you were saying like projecting her own insecurities onto all of her children. And it takes a while to be like, Oh, that's her. That's on her. Mm -hmm. I am not. And yeah. now, even now in my mid thirties doing the work and all the stuff, you're like, it comes a certain point, at least it, for me, I realized I am not responsible for her behavior, nor am I the reason for the behavior. And at mm -hmm. some point in time, I realized me holding on to it and feeling that I was inadequate or unlovable was only doing myself a disservice and yeah. letting her win that, that version of her win when I mm -hmm. am capable of being more than what she was projecting onto me. And I had to put the bag down and I had to say, and it's still, it's not, I'm not like you're saying it's continuous work. Like right. when your safe space isn't safe, you have to learn to be safe in chaos, which is really funny. I said that my husband's going to love that one because that's where <laughs> I thrive. you right. Like when, when things are falling apart, I'm great. When everything is great yep. and we get to go to the pool and you know, the sun is shining and we can go on vacations. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong here? Like, when's the yeah. shoe going to drop? Mm -hmm. And then you realize like, that's an old pattern. And I have to go back to Brie being like, okay, put the bag down. It's good. That's, this is your reality. That's not your reality. This is your existence. You don't have to be that scared child anymore, right. but it takes daily reminders, yeah. hourly reminders, minute, every, like when you get that, that feeling, I don't know if you have this, a similar situation or visceral reaction, but there are definitely moments where I'm like, Oh fuck, I feel I'm feeling that. And I don't like, I don't like what it's bringing up for me. How do right. I navigate that and redirect it to a positive or 
a better response instead of a reaction. Like how can I absolutely, yeah, take that breath, walk away, do what I need to so that I don't do the same thing or feel that way when like my husband's not trying to make me feel bad. <laughs> he's not he's right. telling me to take the trash out, you know, doesn't right. need to be a big deal. I don't know if any of that resonates with you, but that's kind of oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> just like, oh, God. no, I could, I could have said all the exact same thing. So I, I totally agree. <laughs> Isn't it fun being the, being the adult now? No, I don't want to be the adult anymore. <laughs> oh my God. I feel the same way. I'm like, can I go back? Uh, we're not to that. I, I say all the time, I still feel like I'm playing house some days. Like I look around and I'm like, this is really all my responsibility. Like these people, I feel like I'm their sister, not their mother. Like, you know, like sometimes we forget what, what our roles are here. So, <laughs> um, yes, uh, I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, I don't want to be the big kid. Like I don't want to be the responsible one anymore. Let's talk about how you've kind of came back around. So you were Oh, again, always artistic, singing, beautiful voice, very artistically inclined, very talented. And just in the last, you know, year or so, you've really kind of come back to that. What took you away from your creative and artistic expression? And why was it important for you to come back to it? Um, so kids, <laughs> kids took me away from it right out of college. I got married and then we had our first and then, uh, the boys are only 17 months apart. So, you know, that was a quick back to back and that didn't, didn't leave a whole lot of time for much else. And, and it was also, I think, you know, speaking to those family cycles, it, it was a pattern of, I can't, I can't, I can't, mm. there's always an excuse of not having the right resources, the right space, the time, or and to be the perfect parent, I had to just constantly be doting on my children 24-7, and we're supposed to put ourselves last. And, you know, like, whatever these beliefs are that we mm-hmm. all seem to hold for some reason, um, it, it, that was primarily what was holding me back, because there are plenty of artists out there that have multiple children, and they're killing it. And it was really just a perspective of mine. And I think probably being scared too, mm. that I, I didn't have the whatever that you need to make it as, as an artist. Um, so after, oh gosh, it wasn't until, well, yeah, about a year ago which would put me at what, seven, yeah, seven or eight years it had been since I mm-hmm. really started painting. I mean, I would here and there when I had had the time um, and I'd fit it in, but I always felt rushed. I never mm-hmm. felt like I could fully give myself to it because mm-hmm. a thousand things in the back of my head. Um, so after, I guess I'll back up about two years ago, is when I really went through um, the absolute hardest time of my life. Mm. And um, I, for about two months, was terrified waking up every day. I was scared to be alive Mm. and I didn't want to die. And I didn't know where I fit into everything. And it was really scary because I was also still taking care of three little kids. So... 
um, it took a lot of this work that we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, and um, getting getting help and, and therapy and figuring out what was at the bottom of all of this. So it was about a year later that I was following artists on Instagram mm-hmm. and there was a woman whose art was just Damn, like you see it and you can't help but to love it. And it was everything that I wanted to be and her personality. And she was just, she was everything. And then as I got to follow her more, her story mirrors so much of mine mm. and I just connected. Well, then I find out that she has all these programs that you can take. She offers a whole lot of courses. So I started taking her courses and it it just completely opened me up. I mean, she promotes meditation and journaling Mm. and really tapping into yourself to, to let your honest self out and not judge your work and just see what comes out and have fun with it Mm. and believe in yourself. So it's very positive. And I had already been doing journaling and meditating and all of that stuff. So I was like, I already have a leg up here. You know, I, I know what I'm doing. So I just started believing in myself and stopped saying I can't and mm. started saying, you know what? This isn't the ideal place to set up my studio in the corner of the dining room, but I'm going to do it because I need a place to leave myself. The first painting I did after that, I had such an incredible experience with myself and didn't judge what I was putting down, promoted it, put it out there, put the role story behind it and people just exploded with love. And I was like, this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And I've always known it, but I was too afraid to. And now that the times are changing where you're, we're promoting self-honesty and, and love, self-love and all of these important mental health issues it's exactly, it's right on par with what I'm doing. So from there, I just started taking more courses and connecting with these people. And the community that is out there is so welcoming. You think that it's so cutthroat and that, you know, every man for themselves, but I have not met one single artist out there like that. Everybody is there to help one another. And it's just been an incredible journey since then. I think that's so powerful. And I'm <laughs> like tearing up a little bit because I that resonates and speaks very much to me. It's like part of doing the work for yourself is because you are scared because all of these little things that have been peppered through your life from the time you were little to the time you were like a theoretical adult, it weighs on you. And then you see people painting or for me, it's the writing. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, why they have like a million followers, but I can write that same thing. And I'm just, I'm just as good as why am I not and then finally, I was, you just go, that's how this part of the po- reason this podcast came to fruition. I applied to a million jobs out of college for journalism and never got hired. And I was like, I know I'm capable of talking to people and interviewing them and creating good stories. Now I get to do it on my terms and my way. So it kind of worked out for me. But that first hurdle is so true. It's being scared. And you just, I can't, I'm not good enough. It's really what I'm really what you're saying to yourself in general. Oh, I'm just, but it's because you're scared because you don't think you're capable, but a capable, but actually you are capable. You just have to, what's the difference between 
you know, a Pulitzer Prize winning author and me, they did it. What's the difference like an artist for you, like winning a a prize in a competition? They did the work. They put themselves out there. They were vulnerable. They thought they could. They believed in what they were doing. And, you know, we're not all going to be Monet here. We're not all going to be Shakespeare. Like, that's fine. But you can still find fulfillment and joy in what you love and be a mom. And it's not easy. I mean, you can probably attest to that, like finding the time to paint and having little hands want to help you. <laughs> yes. So that's fun. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you being real because that's a tricky place to be, especially when you're saying not wanting to be alive, but not like not knowing how to be alive, but not wanting to die. Like what a, what a dichotomy of emotions to go through and to come out on the other side and realize there was something that you were missing or that you needed, or you were supposed to be doing this whole time to really feel like you are the individual that you are. And right. people do get lost in motherhood and parent and parenthood in general and fatherhood. You get so blindsided by the grind and the day to day that you forget to be yourself, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, I have one kid and that's hard enough. So the people who have two, three, four, five, six kids are my heroes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you yeah. do it. I couldn't do it. I, I don't know how you were doing it. So you're, but you could because you are, <laughs> and you would keep doing it because you know you need to. <laughs> I'm not going to find out. <laughs> well, Dominic says we're just going to adopt like a 35 year old millionaire. So I'm just waiting oh, for that. Oh, there you go. That works. Waiting for that opportunity to come to fruition for us. <laughs> mm. oh, man. oh man! All right. So now you're back into the, the painting. Are you doing any singing at all? You know what? I've actually been thinking about how to incorporate them, you know, into one another because mm. that's that's another thing that I, I love my painting and I absolutely need to do that. But singing has never stopped pulling at my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm terrified. I mean, singing in front of people has never been easy for me. And I, there are several artists I know that I follow and, and they'll sing on their lives. And, and I'll say, hey, you want to do a, a, you know, a duo sometime? And we joke about it, but I'm actually kind of serious. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe when I do one of my reels, I'll, I'll be singing while I'm doing that. You, you know? should. Because I just... I I love it so much, and I never stop that. So I feel like it needs to somehow work its way in there. Um, I'm right there with you because singing makes me so happy too. And I'm never going to yeah. be like, you know, a pop artist here. That's not my style. But Declan loves Disney Disney songs, and we've um, Dom plays the piano. I'm not a good musician in that capacity with an instrument, but we'll have like family song nights, and he like knows the words to some Les Misérables songs. <laughs> Aww. And Cat's memory, he'll like try to sing along with me. Oh, that was always your song. Oh, as kids, I remember you singing that. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it right now, but maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll do a little tease of this podcast with some memory. Um, but yeah, it, and that makes me happy. Like I can pretend that I'm on stage because I love that shit. I mean, theater major here. All right. That's so great. I'm going to totally do like a 180 transition here and go totally off base. But I was, I'm curious about this because I think a lot of moms struggle with it and some dads too. When your kid goes to school. Now for me, 
getting putting Declan in school was like a preschool was a non-negotiable because I even with all the Googling, I'm like, how do I entertain this kid? What milestones does he need to meet? Meeting yeah. those milestones uh, and having him be receptive to mom as teacher. So your kids have been at home with you for extended periods of time, right? They, they you're staying home mom. When they transition to school, what has that been like for James and then for Danny? And was it different for both of them? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, sort of. Um, <laughs> James, well, all of them, and even Sophie now, she's getting ready to start preschool for the first time, and she's excited, but I know when the day comes, it's going to be just as difficult for her because mm-hmm. she's almost literally never been away from me in her almost four years of life. So, the, I mean, with James, they, they had a bucket waiting for him every day to catch his throw up before he went into the classroom, you know? Um <laughs> With Danny, he would cry himself to sleep in class the first week. Um, it, but after that, they loved it, and they never turned back. So it was really hard. And here I am, you know, most of my career in the workforce was nannying mm. or working at a daycare, and I'm, I'm all, just drop him off. There's no, you know, keep it cut and dry. Don't get attached. And then the day comes and I'm the one that's struggling with it. Aww. So, um, it, it was just funny to see that, but you know, once they, once they got into it and they got the routines down, they, they love it. Now, James is your average kid. He doesn't love being at school, but he loves seeing his friends. Mm. Danny would prefer to be in school 24 seven. He loves <laughs> it. He needs that routine. He's mm. in that environment. So he, he loves school and I'm grateful for camp in the summer because it helps him. Yes. You know, yes, yes, yes. With that, because he gets, he gets so bored. He needs a good amount of stimulation to keep himself occupied. So uh, I am curious to see how Sophie's transition is and, and the pandemic too. I mean, they were in school. They were part-time school. They were mm. online. You know, it was such a crazy year for them. Um, and Sophie would have started preschool this past year, but couldn't. So, mm. you know, now that it's been an extra year that she's home with me that the boys didn't have, I, I'm wondering if it's going to be harder or if she's going to be like, get me the hell out of here. I'm ready for this. <laughs> so, I, so we'll see. What about you when like James first went, you still had Danny home, right? Was that hard yes. for you to just see one baby go and have the other baby? Or was it like, ah, get this kid away. Give me a little bit of a break. <laughs> I mean, it was a little bit of both. Um, Danny was still pretty young, so it was pretty, it was still a, a nice break mm. when he, when, when James was in school. Um, and then by the time Danny started, um, I think I was pregnant with Sophie. Oh, wow. So, um, so I did have a little bit of alone time there, but I don't even remember what that's like because it was such a short period of time. So I don't, I honestly, I worry about, like, I was worried about the boys starting school, having both of them in full day this mm. year, and then just being alone with Sophie. I was like, this is going to be weird. It's me with one kid. I don't know what that's like. I'm afraid I'm going to be bored. She's going to annoy me. I, I don't know, you know? So, um, but now thinking about her starting preschool, I'm like, I'm going to have a couple of hours completely by myself again. And I know I'm just going to fill it with painting. Like I have to make that my priority. That's my, my work hours. But I mean, there's still an aspect of it being 
weird because yeah. that's still a big part of my identity and and I'm still just working out of this whole I'm more than mom thing mm. you know so um there it's bittersweet but it's mostly sweet uh, and it's an evolution that mom thing it's like as soon as you figure out like how you are as a toddler mom your kids in school and now you got to figure out how you are as the school mom mm. and then the middle school mom and the high school mom and then the college or the career like oh god i mean that's far it seems far away but i mean like sophie's gonna be four Declan's like six yeah. months younger than her like you'd be in kindergarten before you know it and you're gonna be like what <laughs> it, it really does. The, the phrase, the days are long, but the years are short. It couldn't be more accurate. It, it really couldn't it's be. It's so true. Oh, and it's, I'm like excited for the journey, like to see the ki like kids grow up. It's exciting, but it's also like, I remember going to kindergarten. I remember like the hello there song. Um, I still can recite chicka chicka boom boom, basically verbatim. Like I don't need to read the book to Declan. I can just do it. <laughs> That's one of my favorites to this day. It's a good one. Oh, yeah. Do you like pout-poutfish? <laughs> I'm a pout-pout. We haven't gone down that route yet. I'm a pout-poutfish with a pout-pout <laughs> face, so I spread the dreary wearies all over the place. I mean, give me a good rhyme and I'm there. Anyway, I could go down that rabbit hole all day long and I won't. <laughs> um, now I'm going to get into the nada. So just like basic questions that I call random information for, for moms. What was the most useless information or recommendation you received with any of your pregnancies? Honestly, I think Lamaze class in general. <laughs> Adam and I sat there in the back of Lamaze class getting in trouble and laughing most of the time because I was like, I don't feel like any of this is relevant and is not going to be helpful in real time. And it wasn't. I don't even really remember what they said, but it wasn't. So I feel like this, hey, if it works for some people, that's fantastic and more power to you. But for me, I just felt like it was pointless. That's a good one. I, I did yoga instead of those because I felt, and I, I mean, at the I mean, I don't know if it was really helpful, but I didn't totally lose my shit, so I'm calling it a win. But I've heard mixed reviews about Lamas, so that's a good that's a good one. Um, what is something you wish you would have been told about motherhood? Um, this is one thing I talk about a lot is the loneliness. Mm. Because I think we're painted this picture of you have the baby, you bond with the baby, you have friends, you, be, you have mom friends and these circles and groups. And it's just not that easy. It's not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it took me about five years to finally find people that I related with mm. that weren't judgy, you know, that it, it was just... A, a very comfortable friendship mm -hmm. and the kids got along and you weren't worried about what they thought of your children because God knows mine are a lot more rambunctious than most. And, you know, so it, I feel like they don't prepare you for the times that it, it's going to be lonely mm -hmm. and you're going to feel lost and that's okay. And reach out, stop being afraid to reach out because I have never been somebody to speak up or ask a question mm. or anything like that. And I'm finally now 
eight years later at the point where I'm like, hey, I'll just make a random comment and see if it sticks. You know, like um, I'm not as afraid as I used to be. Because I don't know about you, but we were told not to comment. (laughs) Keep your mouth shut. That's true. Stop it. Um, That's that's a really good point that we could do a whole podcast just on that alone. Um, Mommy, moms are judgy and mom Mm -hmm. groups are hard to find. Like you don't you're posse your people don't just show up they they are carefully curated over time and sometimes they're not forever they're for phases which is another interesting phenomenon that you didn't know and i mean right now like we've been in florida for a year we don't have like a lot of friends like we're just now getting to know some of the parents that declan goes to school with and then who knows if they'll actually be friends? Cause you, know, right. you know what I mean? D- lots of different personalities. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a really insightful thing too. Again, we'll have to have you back and you can, we can talk, we can dig into that one. <laughs> um, now what unsolicited advice do you have for new moms or soon to be moms or moms of multiples? <laughs> oh boy. I think, I think the, best thing you can do. Well, I'll I'll pass this little tidbit on my older cousin. She has four kids. Uh, She was the first of, I think, the cousins to have kids. And she told me when I was pregnant with my oldest, lower your standards and then lower them again. (laughs) And I laughed at her. And I thought, I, that's, that's funny, but that's not real, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just texted her a couple weeks ago and I said, Every time I go through these things, I think, keep lowering, keep lowering. And we laugh about it, but it's so true. I mean, you have these dreams and these ideas of what it's going to be like, and I promise you none of it is going to happen. It's not going to be what you think it is. You're going to love your baby, yes, but it's not going to be this fantasy that you have. And you need to be easy on yourself and learn how to just roll with it That's and so it'll good. be okay. I love that so much. Uh, you don't, you can't control the personality you get. No, uh, I was very grateful and thankful. I always, when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, Oh, I hope it's a boy. I don't want to have me a mini me. I didn't consider myself in boy form and what that would be like. <laughs> so, I'm like, some days I'm like, Holy shit. like, I don't know what would have been better. <laughs> him or her so yeah just to, yeah. just to piggyback on that you have no control over the human that you create you think you do but you don't right <laughs> and right you don't oh gosh I'm, I'm grateful that Declan wasn't colicky or I mean he was super easy I don't know about your kids to get onto a schedule but that was a blessing in disguise but man getting to know him as a little person you're like yeah well, even now, James is eight, and eight. Oh my gosh! I'm I'm still trying to get to know him, mm. and you know, it's that's another thing I realized not that long ago was I have to get to know this person because I can't just impose everything that I want on him. Mm. That, that's what was done to me, you know. So you need to figure out who these people are, figure out what communication that works best for them, mm. and all of those things, and. Um, you, you can't control them. And that's something I remind myself and my husband all the time is can't control. I like how she just like pops in and out. 
Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, there's another thing I wanted. Oh, you're talking about um, Danny and his how he needs structure. It's really interesting. Um, the organization I volunteer for is Ability Tree First Coast, and they specialize in. Um, resources and activities, et cetera, um, for individuals with special needs and their families. And so one of the things that even when the parent had said about camp, like they were in camp was that it gives my son with autism, it gives my, my daughter with Down syndrome, that structure and that consistent schedule that they, they like they in particular crave like I think all kids crave routine and structure but oh, sure. it, especially going back into school like instead of a hybrid model it was like so beneficial to them so I just love that you recognize that with your boys that this is what helps them thrive and, and they're at camp <laughs> like go have yeah. fun kids <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's that's a pressure I put on myself I have for years and I don't think that um, his support teams have ever meant to impose that on me, but it's, they talk about, you know, well, have a visual schedule and, and try this and try that. And there's so many methods out there. Mm. Wonderful. I physically cannot do all of that. Mm-hmm. And I, last summer specifically, I spent the whole summer trying to come up with the perfect routine for us. Mm. I tried the overly detailed routine. I tried the let's see what happens on a daily basis routine. You know, like I have tried so many different ways to make this more stimulating for him, Mm. more predictable for him. And I finally had to say, you know what? I'm not capable of that. Mm. And I shouldn't feel badly for that either. You know, they, they do need these things and I do too. I like having a routine, Mm -hmm. but I also don't like being micromanaged Mm -mm. and I, I can't provide that either. So I finally had to, you know, hang up that part of my, my superhero cape and say, I'm going to let somebody else handle that part because (laughs) I can't be that person for you. That is handling it though. You know, you can't be all things at all times. It's an evolution. And if each of your kids need something different at any given time, you can't wear all the superhero capes, you know? So delegating that or outsourcing that, that is handling it. That is handling it. Uh, So don't think you've dropped the ball on that one. I think you did exactly what everybody needed, especially you. (laughs) I feel like I could take another million hours of your time, but I am going to say thank you so much for sharing your mom journey and where you are in this cycle breaking thing that we have been talking about that vulnerability and that willingness to share means so much to me because I'm right there with you. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and I guess there's misery loves company. And <laughs> it's nice to know you're not alone. I'm sorry that you had to feel those things, but it's nice to know that you're not the only one. If anybody wants to check out Courtney's paintings, you can it's at Courtney Mary paints on Instagram. Is that right? Yes. That's all one word. Yep. Um, she's got some great stuff on there. As soon as I find a place in my house where I can put a painting, I'm, I'm going to do that. I have to do, I'll have to do like a, walk through and you can tell me what you think. Um, cause oh, there you yeah, go. we gotta, we still, work. Still, I gotta get furniture anyway. I'm, I'm going, <laughs> going down a rabbit hole. Anyway, this has been the mom and is not a podcast. My name is Brianna. That's Courtney. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm so happy that you are part of this today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Anytime, anytime.